Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in downtown Santa Monica, California, here in the heart of Silicon Beach. Please be seated. We have a great show for you today, and this is our 266th. Um, we're, we're getting quite a bunch. Um, as usual, we have show notes that give background on the show. We even have a PowerPoint slide for you today, And um, but our guest today is um, Marco Uwen, and she is with Reporters Without Borders or Reporters Sans Frontières. And um, they've been a great friend to the show over the years. We've had Delphine Haglin on a, a number of times to talk about two of their major initiatives that they have. One is um, they have an annual day commemorating on cyber, to stop cyber censorship. And then they come out with an annual ranking of um, World Press um, Freedom Index. And uh, there's some troubling aspects about it. The United States is ranked 43rd. And uh, so that's uh, we'll talk about why that is and some other issues. But um, without further ado, Margo, um, are you with us? Hi. Thank you so much for having me on the program. Now, Margo, um, for those who aren't familiar with uh, RSF, what, what is it? Uh, well, Reporters Without Borders, um, which has been around for more than 30 years now, is the largest press freedom organization in the world. Um, we protect and defend freedom of information thanks to um, a network of local correspondents uh, reporting information in 130 countries based on the number of attacks journalists face or the climate in which they operate, uh, which may impede their ability to accurately report the news without fear of reprisals. Um, 
We also have a strong international presence with 12 offices around the world now, and I work for our um, North America office, which is based here in Washington, D.C., and we use the information that we collect on press freedom violations to advocate for the release of journalists in prison, uh, the reform of legislation that uh, impedes the work of journalists and uh, impacts the right of the people to uh, independent and accurate information, as well as the right of journalists to collect that information. Uh, And we have consultative status at the United Nations and UNESCO as well. What does that mean, consultative status? Well, that means that uh, we are one of a list of uh, non-governmental organizations that are approved by a certain body within the United Nations to uh, consult with various bodies, officials, and provide input on the areas in which uh, we are specialized. Uh, For the past two years, we have been working on a specific campaign on journalist safety at the United Nations, um, and that is designed to create a position in New York that would be close to the UN Secretary General, um, and it would decrease the number of journalists that are killed and they're increasingly targeted specifically um, for murder for doing their jobs. And so our aim is to create a role within the United Nations system that would empower the framework that is already in place as the legal obligations that member states are obliged to comply with are already quite strong in this regard. There's just an implementation gap. So that's just the major, most recent example of the work that we've been doing at the United Nations. Now, in was it March? Was it March twenty second or March twelfth? You every year is the um, the day World Day against Cyber March twelfth World Day against Cyber yeah. Censorship, um, which you 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 launched in two thousand eight. Um, how that how that come about, and what's what's the goal of that? Well, there is um, a an undeniable link between uh, a free and open internet and a free and open press. And the the ability of everyday people to access information that is independent and not um, government propaganda. So when we launched um, our annual report on World Day Against Cyber Censorship, our aim was to highlight the countries in the world or the leaders, um, world leaders that are quote unquote enemies of the internet. Um, and so we have a list of those such uh, heads of state that routinely crack down on uh, independent information online, whether it be through social media or online news websites. Of course, there are places in the world that we all know are information black holes like North Korea, also places like Eritrea. Um, And so every year we we try to release a report on that date. We also do an operation um, called Collateral Freedom, which uh, consists of putting up mirror websites of blocked content in certain countries in order to um, make those websites available to the people that need to read them. Um, And so in the most recent report that we published this year, we focused on the the growing number of internet companies that submit to the demands of authoritarian governments because of their desire to operate within certain countries. Um, rather than pull out, which is often what they're threatened with if they don't comply with government orders. Um, And given that uh, Facebook is huge in many places in the world, especially for citizen uh, journalists, uh, that is a very 
serious concern for RSF. And I want to get back to that in a minute, but first I'm going to do my pharmaceutical ad voice and uh, quickly go through the enemies of the Internet are um, Azerbaijan, Bahrain, China, Cuba, Iran, Kazakhstan, Malaysia, Qatar, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Turkmenistan, United Arab Emirates, Uzbekistan, Vietnam. And if you're in those countries more than four hours, consult your doctor. So um, let's talk. Let's talk about the. And I think it's useful. Last few years in your um, Cyber Day of Day Against Cyber Censorship, you you have focused mm-hmm. on the role of technology, and um, and you know whether it was blue coat or now it's you know programs such as what we've seen in Mexico um, into. Uh, Pegasus and others to al- allow people to spy on journalists. But let's go to your point about places like Facebook, places where Facebook and others are, are cooperating. Um, are they disclosing to their members that they're doing this? Well, I think uh, that's a very, that requires a nuanced response depending on the country and where they're being requested to do so. And each um, internet company or social media company has different ways that they handle transparency and different ways that they report on this information if they are allowed to do so. Um, for example, Twitter does have a, um, an act, a, a transparency report based on the number of takedown requests or the type of takedown requests that they receive from governments um, that is encouraging to see in terms of transparency and RSF is in favor of having that, that information out there so that people are aware of the number of requests that are received or what countries are these requests coming from. Um, as, we, as you may know, Turkey is the number one um, requester of taking down content, content on Twitter. Yep. Um, and of course, that has do, is due largely to the failed coup and the state of emergency that ensued afterwards, which was just uh, over a year ago. For a long time, it was Thailand, wasn't it? Because of their, their law that you can't say anything bad about the king. As much as they, yes. Um, but it depends on the the social media that's being used in the country. For example, if you take Vietnam, which um, is at 175 out of 180 countries in our World Press Freedom Index. So it's five from the bottom, uh, and it's been there for quite a while, uh, at least five or six years. Uh, and... They have many um, citizen journalists in prison because any any professional journalists are uh, regime-sponsored journalists and therefore aren't really capable of reporting on independent and accurate information that doesn't come from the party, that doesn't toe the party line. And uh, so there are many citizen journalists active in Vietnam as a source of independent information, and they use Facebook more than Twitter, for example. Um, And the... The tactics that are used by either government-sponsored trolls to report um, Vietnamese citizen journalists' um, user accounts as against the the policies of Facebook and then request to get taken down. Um, These are incidents that occur very frequently, um, and RSF works closely with um, Vietnamese citizen journalists who can kind of relay this information to us and let us know what their main concerns are. Um, but we're not really seeing um, the kind of transparency reporting that we would like from Facebook in terms of the requests from governments, whether they be official or um, something that was related to terms of service. Uh, and the, the 
the identity of who are making these requests, if they are private individuals that may or may not be connected to the state itself, mm-hmm. or if they're government officials that are asking for this content to be taken down or for accounts to be blocked. Now, one thing um, I'm aware is Twitter, when they, they basically, if they do take stuff down, they take it down locally. Uh, if something in you know, China or someone would want something taken down, it is taken down in that country's site, but not worldwide. Is that correct? That that has been my understanding as well. Um, I think that uh, it's also, as I understand, depending on the legal um, climate in each country in which these um, social media companies are being asked to take down content, what they are, what they're legally allowed to get away with not complying, or what they are threatened with being uh, kicked out of the country if they don't comply with. Right. So I, I think that's always nuanced um, depending on where exactly this uh, content is requested to be taken down. Now, it's interesting your, your comment about Vietnam and the role of citizen journalists. So, you know, we commonly refer to as bloggers or, you know, podcasters or right. whatever. And netizens, um, yes. In fact, you have, and net, I don't know if you still do, but you at one point had a netizen award. And I think... You know, one of the recent winners was from Vietnam. Uh, yes, so we actually have our RSF Press Freedom Prize that we award annually, and we have um, three categories. So we have the netizen category, um, we have the journalist category, and then we have a media outlet category. And um, um, and I think I can go back to last year. I don't have it in front of me, but I can. I know that we have awarded. Uh, many citizen journalists in the past, um, and we. This is also the case for um, Chinese um, netizens because of Chinese uh, crackdown on information uh, and independent journalism that isn't uh, respecting the Communist Party's uh, requests to report on the state in a certain way. No, I. You know, I'm glad you brought up China. I, I've. I know Chinese netizens, and I know Chinese netizens who've been arrested, and uh, and so it it's a difficult situation there. And um, you know, China was on your enemies of the internet list for, according to your report, for mass blocking of foreign websites, spying on cyber dissidents, using social networks for propaganda purposes, and digital bonfires of Uyghur sites, um, and. It's and now you're, you're actually accusing China of murder in connection with the death of the the recent Nobel Prize winning dissident. Yes, uh, Lu Chaobo passed away um, last week uh, from severe late stage cancer, um, which <clears throat> authorities apparently failed to detect at an earlier stage, which would have uh, allowed him to receive treatment. And until the very end, he was denied the right to leave the country to receive better treatment. Um, and his uh, wife has been under house arrest since he was uh, taken into custody to serve his current prison term. And we have been calling uh, for the government to release her. Um, but it's it's completely unacceptable that his health was allowed to deteriorate at that point. Uh, and they have blood on their hands. There's only two Nobel Prize winners who have died in custody. Um, this gentleman in China, and there was another, I forget the person's name, but someone who died during, in custody in Nazi Germany. So it's, it's not a good uh, category to be in. 
And uh, just for, for those unfamiliar, um, Lou was, uh, he took part in Tiananmen Square protests. And this is from the Nobel Prize um, description of him. And he was a leading author behind Charter 08, the Manifesto of Rights in China, which was published in the 60th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And um, But he was sentenced to prison for 11 years and, uh, you know, and died in custody. So it's kind of a sad story. Very sad. Um, it's a terribly sad story, and it's something that never should have happened. Um, and, and we not only call on the Chinese government to uh, release his wife and to ensure that none of this happens with any other of the over over a hundred uh, journalists and netizens that are currently being imprisoned in the country as one of the largest prisons for both bloggers and professional journalists in the world. Um, but we also call on the Western governments of the world to uh, step up their pressure on the Chinese government because that is in the past has been a, a, a clear way to encourage them um, to I would say temper their bad human rights record um, because their reliance on partners for economic agreements and partnerships and trade deals uh, can be impacted by pressure from Western governments about how they need to make sure that prisoners are not dying on their watch and that they need to respect freedom of the press, um, which is actually called for in their, in, in, under Chinese law itself. Um, so we're we're very concerned and deeply saddened by the passing of Lu Xiaobo. Um, it really is a is a dark moment in in China's history for repressing human rights when they let someone like that die on their watch. Um, and and we need Western governments to do more to pressure them. And we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to have more on China and um, Reporters Without Borders here with Margot Uwen. After these messages, you're listening to Cyberlaw Business Report only on cranberry.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyberlaw and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. How much are your best ideas worth? PriorThings.com gives you an added layer of protection for all of your intellectual property, ideas, and creative things. New business idea, pitch deck, PowerPoint presentation, song lyrics, source code, killer blog posts, we help you protect it all. How do we do it? We use the same technology platform that secures transactions for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Learn more at PriorThings.com. Check out exclusive listener pricing for Cranberry Radio listeners by going to bit.ly slash Founders Circle. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. 
At Fjorge, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjorgeDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. A more refreshing kind of talk radio. Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Here is Bennett Kelly. And we're back and we're talking to Margot Uwin, who is with Reporters Without Borders. And before we go back, I just want to make a special request. Every year, the American Bars um, Journal does a ranking of the 100 top blogs, which are legal blogs. And this year, they're actually going to include podcasts. So if you enjoy this podcast, I hope you'll consider um, nominating us to be in, in that list for top legal podcast. And there's a, a link to how to do so on our blog at Cyberlaw, um, cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. So <laughs> having done that plug, Margo, um, the other th- major thing you mentioned that we talked about this cyber day of cyber censorship. We also talked about the Netizen Award and uh, um, hosting the blog sites through Collateral Freedom. But the major initiative you guys have, uh, besides keeping a kind of barometer of, of journalists being killed and arrested um, throughout the year, is that you are we publish a, a World Press Freedom Index. And that's something you've done now for 15 years. And um, and this year, we have a new champion. It's Norway is on top, and Finland has given up the throne after five years on top. What what made Norway so good, or why did Finland fall? So it's more here that Finland, um, which fell two places and is now ranked third out of 180 countries in our 2017 index, um, which, by the way, is based on data collected throughout the year 2016, um, is basically due to the fact that um, it, there, were inter- there was interference, attempted interference from um, Norwegian politician in reporting by the uh, well-known to be very independent uh, press in the country. Um, and this was enough to upset their lead um, for the past six years at the top of our index. Um, which makes Norway the new lead. And what's interesting to note is that Norway is not a member of the European Union. And so it's also a blow to the European model of press freedom that there's no longer an EU country at the very top as there have been um, for more than five years. Um, And it it was a, a scandal involving the prime minister of Finland, who tried to prevent coverage of a possible conflict of interest in which he was involved. Um, so that was serious enough for the the numbers to reflect uh, Finland's fall to uh, third place. And then you have the blacklist, and which is about 21 countries, which with North Korea, Eritrea, Turkmenistan, Syria, and China being the bottom five. Uh, are there any that you'd like to highlight in the, in the blacklist? 
Well, there's actually three new countries that went into black this year, um, black being the very worst level of media repression. Um, that is Burundi, Egypt, and Bahrain. Um, and as we all remember, Burundi uh, experienced a an attempted coup in 2015, um, and its uh, entry into the black zone uh, is really a reflection of the consequences of that failed coup and the crackdown against media outlets that ensued. Um, so many journalists have fled into exile. Working um, within the country is almost impossible without towing the government line. And the National Intelligence Service um, is still interrogating, arresting, and mistreating reporters and editors. Uh, and about coming up on a one-year anniversary of a disappearance of one journalist named Jean Bagirimana um, that we believe may have been murdered, um, but the police have not launched any kind of um, investigation into his disappearance, and that is extremely um, concerning to us. Uh, Egypt and Bahrain we're all familiar with as uh, repressive governments in terms of press freedom and also human rights, um, but of course in Egypt uh, it is one of the largest uh, prisons in the world for journalists, and there are so many that have been held arbitrarily without being tried, one of them being a young photojournalist named Mahmoud Abu Zaid, but also known as Shokan, um, who, who uh, has still not faced a trial, and uh, he's been in jail for over three years. Uh, and Bahrain has just been increasingly spiraling uh, into its crackdown against uh, dissent. And uh, recently, um, Nabil Rajab, the head of the Bahrain Center for Human Rights, uh, was sentenced uh, because he gave an interview to the press and had tried to communicate information about the civilian casualties occurring in Yemen um, at the hands of the Saudi-led Arab coalition there. So those are just three uh, countries I wanted to highlight that have entered the black zone this year. Um, but what is really terrifying as well is that the um, media freedom that we have measured uh, for the 2017 index um, has never been so severely impacted. And there may be uh, additional countries that go into the black zone very soon that have been on a steady decline. And that is really that would include something Turkey? that we are... Um, that would include Turkey, um, which uh, was ranked... 155 in our index this year after um, falling a total of 56 places in the past 12 years. The coup attempt in July of last year obviously plays a huge role in this. Um, more than 100 journalists and, uh, have been arrested and detained without trial. More than 100 media outlets have been closed, and it's now the biggest prison for professional journalists in the world. Um, another country would be the Democratic Republic of Congo, which has been falling steadily since 2002. Um, and Mexico? it's now ranked 154th. I'm sorry? Would you would Mexico be possibly one or no? Mexico, yes. <laughs> um, but uh, Mexico is really a, a situation that is concerning to RSF because it's a, a country that is not in conflict, yet it's the deadliest country for journalists in the Western Hemisphere um, and one of the top five deadliest countries for journalists in the world, and it is following closely behind Afghanistan, uh, Syria, and Yemen. Um, and there have been at least uh, four murders this year, in 2017 alone, of journalists um, that we have confirmed have been linked directly with their activities as journalists. But there are um, several more that we are in the process of researching and uh, investigating ourselves. 
Uh, and so the number of journalists that continues to be killed there is so serious that the president um, himself has come out and and declared that he must do more to battle, um, to fight against impunity for these journalist murders. Um, and that's another reason why RSF's campaign at the UN is so important because uh, this this issue of journalists being specifically targeted for their work, for covering stories of corruption um, or drug cartels, uh, it's, is increasingly a problem in areas where countries are not in conflict, not at war. Okay. And so that's very worrying to us. And uh, we're going to take a, a short break again. And when we come back, I want to talk about why is the U.S. number 43? And since this is based on 2016 data, where where we might the U.S. end up in 2017? Um, we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Bennett Kelly on Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmaster. Excuse me, cranberry.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Cranberry Radio is your new destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Browse through our complete library of programs at cranberry.fm or on demand through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and Google Play. Don't worry, you can still access all of our great webmasterradio.fm programs at cranberry.fm. Refresh your bookmarks today to Cranberry Radio at cranberry.fm. Pick out some new favorite podcasts now at cranberry.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Here is Bennett Kelly. And we're back with Margo Uwin, a proud alum of George Washington University. And um, we were talking about... uh, Reporters Without Borders and, and their work in the, the global uh, free, Press Freedom Index and talk about the United States. And the uh, United States is ranked 43rd in the latest ranking and um, possibly could get lower since um, based on 2017. What, what's your assessment there? Yeah, well, I think every American should be concerned that the country of the First Amendment ranks so low on the Press Freedom Index um, and there are very uh, visible reasons why that ranking is so low, since it is uh, based on 2016 data. A lot of it covers the presidential campaign, during which um, Donald Trump as a candidate was very uh, outwardly aggressive um, towards journalists and very critical of the press. Anytime uh, a journalist or a media outlet would report a story that portrayed him in a way that he didn't like, um, threatened to open up libel laws uh, to make it easier to sue journalists for false stories. Um, and there were also some issues that were related to uh, the Obama administration that affected that ranking. Um, as everyone knows, President um, Barack Obama 
uh, was responsible for prosecuting uh, more whistleblowers than any previous administration combined. Um, and that is a serious blow to press freedom as uh, leaks are the lifeblood of investigative journalism and journal uh, journalist sources uh, are being prosecuted under an antiquated law designed for spies called the Espionage right. Act, which just turned 100 this year. Um, and so that's something that uh, RSF has always been concerned about. Um, there are also lots of incidents of uh, journalists that were arrested for while covering protests um, in the United States. And that happened um, not just last year, but um, in the years prior, a lot of the time when journalists were covering uh, Black Lives Matter protests. Uh, so it's to put into perspective that things were not great before uh, Trump took office. Um, that being said, the arrival of the new administration has really ushered in a new era of outwardly uh, anti-press rhetoric. Um, and as we've seen this year in 2017, uh, that has translated into violence against journalists, which um, I have to say, I had not expected to see in the United States. Um, of course, we're talking here about the journalist from The Guardian, um, Ben Jacobs, who was assaulted by um, a Montana yes. politician on the eve of his election, uh, Greg John Forte. Um, and even though that was appalling and many members of Congress from both parties condemned, strongly condemned that act, uh, that did not stop President Trump from tweeting a video where he was portrayed beating up uh, or doing a wrestling match against a figure whose head was replaced by the CNN logo. And so these incidents are very concerning to Reporters Without Borders because the power of a, an elected official who holds the highest office in the country, um, the power that that person might have over the people that voted for them, um, over the electorate and uh, over people around the world as well, including some of the world's press freedom predators, that influence is, is really quite dangerous because there are many uh, repressive leaders in the world that have already taken to Donald Trump's remarks and seen them as an encouragement for them to either continue what they have already been doing for years against journalists, putting journalists in prison, accusing them of uh, reporting false information uh, and putting them in jail for it, or uh, it encourages them to step up uh, the intensity of their attacks against the press. And you, you do see this parroting of fake news in, in some of the repressive regimes, don't do you not? Yes, exactly. And it's, it's something that is not new, but when the president of the United States is now using fake news uh, as a way to label journalists or coverage that he deems unfavorable to him, it really has a multiplying effect on the rest of the world and on the press freedom predators in their um, willingness and confidence in using that technique to silence uh, journalists. Now, I do have a question about leaks. And you know, there's, you know, I've actually met Daniel Ellsberg and you know, there, there's a value to certain, you know, I, see, I appreciate the value of leaks and a lot of the stories coming out today about what's going on in Trump administration are based on leaks. And and that's, those are individualized leaks. 
What what troubles me though are the the hacking and the the Wikipedia the Wiki, the WikiLeaks type of situations where you're t- taking wholesale sets of data and just dumping it. You know, laying bare um, and you know a nation's diplomacy apparatus. And in, in WikiLeaks' case, you know, they didn't even protect some of the names, so there were, I'm pretty certain some some people were harmed because of what was put out there. And I, I kind of think that is different as um, instead of letting someone, you know, leak something to tell a story versus just dumping stuff to create chaos. There certainly is a difference, um, but the, the difference doesn't seem to be perceived by the U.S. government because the, those that are being prosecuted for um, leaking information to the press which they filtered through the press and the press then decided what to report on mm-hmm. are being um, prosecuted with as much ferocity as, as possible under the espionage act. Um, and for example, the latest prosecution filed under the current administration against a uh, reality winner for allegedly um, leaking an NSA memo to the intercept uh, that um, would have showed uh, attempts by um, Russian entities to influence voter machines um, during our election last year. Um, the fact that that information is not even um, critical or shows the U.S. government, paints the U.S. government in, an, in a critical way or uh, compromises U.S. assets abroad, military assets, um, but is actually information that would interest all American citizens to know that this uh, foreign power interfered in our election. Um, the fact that that person is being prosecuted under this Espionage Act um, as if she was a spy, that is a really heavy-handed act, and there's no public interest defense under that act. Um, and so that's really a problem for RSF, and that's been the case for all of the whistleblower prosecutions that we have tracked so closely. I understand. Now, um, we, we only have a few minutes left. If people want to learn more about RSF, what's the best place for them to go? Well, you can follow us on Twitter um, at RSF underscore EN. We post all of our updates um, recently in terms of U.S. press freedom. We've been publishing a weekly roundup of the most serious incidents of uh, attacks against the press in the U.S., how there hasn't been an on-camera White House briefing for the past three weeks, for example. Wow. Um, but you can also, yeah, you can also check out, um, we have our Reporters Without Borders uh, Facebook page if you're into Facebook and want to check us out that way. We post all of our um, reporting and all of our stories there as well. And then our website, rsf.org backslash en. And you'll find all of our publications, upcoming events, um, all the campaigns. Uh, I would really suggest that you all check it out and follow us today. Now, um, anything else? Anything you have coming up that you want to give a shout out for? Well, I definitely just want to flag for everyone listening um, that next month uh, will be the five-year anniversary of um, the disappearance and and beginning of detention of the last American journalist detained in Syria. That's Austin Tice. Wow. Uh, And we are still calling on the Syrian and the U.S. government to do everything they possibly can to have him brought safely home. Uh, We work very closely with his family on this, and 
Um, we know that he's not being held um, by uh, ISIS, um, but we are calling for him to be brought home. And it's a reminder that it's now been five years that he was original that he originally went missing. Um, and and we need more people to share that information on their social networks um, so that the government, U.S. government, knows that um, we are all waiting for. Uh, Austin to come home, and you can we'll, use the hashtag #FreeAustinTice. Okay, we'll add that to our show notes. It's also the 50th anniversary of Rafe Badawi, the the blogger being held, who was actually given 50 lashes in Saudi Arabia. Do you think is yes, there any is was, there any hope there for any progress? Well, we are tirelessly working on his case. Um, we know that he was sentenced to a, a larger sentence in terms of lashings, um, but that was stopped for medical reasons. However, we fear that that could recommence at any time. Um, so we, we urge the U.S. authorities and Canadian authorities where his wife and his three children are now living to do all they can to ask the Saudi government to release him and deport him immediately to Canada so he can be with his family. Thank you. Yes, it's uh, it's just it was horrific. The you know, the fifty lashes. He's been sentenced to ten years yeah. and a thousand lashes, and it was supposed to be what fifty That's lashes right. every week or every other week. I mean, just something heinous. And then this is our ally. Luckily, only one part of that sentence was carried out. But yeah, yeah he was uh, he he promoted uh, tolerance of others, and and it's it's a shame to see someone who had. Uh, such democratic and liberal ideals sentenced so severely. Well, I want to thank you very much, everyone. Definitely check out um, the Reporters Without Borders website and give them your support. I'll be doing that once we get off the year. And um, in addition, join us next week. We have a special edition. We're going to have the author of The Curse, the inside and colorful story of the Los Angeles Clippers. A little change of pace for some summer reading. Um, but this is Bennett Kelly. I want to thank Thank you again, um, Margot. It's been great having you, and uh, RSF has been such good friends of the show. Um, keep up the good work, and we'll be back next week. Um, follow us on Twitter at Cyberlaw Radio. Check out show notes at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com, and have a great week, everyone. Thank you. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes 
ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.